Good evening and welcome to uh, this part of the service. So glad that you're here. I'm glad to get to be here to be with you all. I'd like you to turn to Philippians 4, if you would. The last chapter of the book of Philippians. Paul wrote this letter to one of his favorite churches. I think he liked them all. Some of them were, some of them caused him fewer problems than others. And Church of Corinth, I think, frustrated him. Churches in Galatia really made him upset sometimes. But Church of Philippi, they had some stuff going on. Maybe some internal strife. A couple of ladies in the church weren't getting along very well. So they, there were some issues at Philippi. But for the most part, he liked this church, and they, he seemed to be encouraged by them. So we're going to look at a couple of verses that might be pretty familiar to you. Philippians chapter 4. When I was a kid, Mom would ask me, you know, when I did something, broke something, whatever, what didn't do something I was supposed to do, uh, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? You ever been asked that? I know sometimes with our kids, that's one of the things. You see something, you know, you broke something, this, this happened, this wasn't so, supposed to happen, and you, you, ask your, you ask your child, what were you thinking? What, what do they normally say? Maybe, maybe there's not a stock response, but I don't know. I, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know. Uh, that's usually probably what I responded and probably what most kids respond. I don't know. But truth is, truth is something was going on. Um, researchers, and I have no idea how you'd figure this out, but uh, researchers say about 10,000 separate thoughts go through our heads every day. And quite honestly, that seems a little bit low, 10,000. That's still quite a bit. Because we think about stuff a lot. I mean, we have thoughts that are going through our minds constantly, most of them unexpressed, but nonetheless, we, uh, we, we, think, about, we think about things. And we're influenced by those thoughts, you know? I mean, we are influenced by what, what goes on in our, in our minds. I'm sure that you know this from a biological way, a physical way from things that you eat. You probably can tell, most of you, I think, most of us can tell that when we eat junk, when we eat, you know, a lot of, simple carbs and we eat things that we know we're not supposed to eat, drink a lot of sugar, whatever, you know, it kind of, it kind of makes you feel a certain way. You kind of feel like, ah, it's, it just doesn't feel right. You don't, you don't feel good. You fill your body with, with nutrition that's not really nutritious and it has consequences for the way that we feel and, and the energy we have and the way we act and their moods and, you know, all sorts of stuff that scientists have come to realize your, your diet influences how you think and how you act, how you feel, you know, all that. Um, is, it, is it any surprise then that what we take into our minds and hearts influences the way that we think and the things that we think about and the priorities that we have and our outlook on life and, and um, our, our demeanor, our, 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 our positivity, our negativity? Is it any surprise that what we take into our minds influences all of that? I think everybody in here would agree that that's the case. Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, beware of what you set your mind on, for that you will surely become. Maybe a more famous quotation from Emerson, a little bit more neatly put. He said, sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. Pretty powerful. I think he's true. I think what he says is true. Did you hear that? You sow a, th a thought, action, habit, 
character, destiny. All starts with what we think. Proverbs 23, 7 in the Old King James says, As a man thinketh in his heart. You can finish that. I'm sure many of you can. So is he. So is she. That's what you are. That's what, that's what you and I will become. We're going to go to Philippians 4, a couple, of pa- a couple of verses there. Before We're making our way there, but let me read a couple of other things before I get to Philippians 4. Proverbs 4, 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. I mean, you get the metaphor, the, the illustration, right? The, 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 the heart is the wellspring of life. The, 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 what comes, comes up out of the well influences everything else, whether it's clean or dirty or good or bad or nasty or healthy or whatever. Paul wrote in, no, rather, Peter wrote in 1 Peter 1, 13, prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. There's a lot of emphasis. I'm giving you a sampling, but this is all over the Bible. A lot of emphasis on what you think. Pretty well-known passage in Romans 12, 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of, of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? renewing of your mind. A lot of the issues we have, and and I'm talking to me and all of us, a lot of the issues we have with our outlook on life come from what we're taking into our hearts and what we're focusing on and what we're choosing to think about. Now in our text, Philippians 4, 8, and 9, a pretty familiar one, it has a lot to say to us, and I'd like to read these two verses to you now. Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Listen to the Apostle Paul. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me do. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So what, what Paul, Paul is saying, come to the end of this and maybe in the context of some people not getting along, maybe not having the kind of attitudes he's, they should have had. He's, he, first part of the chapter, verse 2, I, I entreat you, Odia, and I entreat Syntyche to, to agree in the Lord. Then he says, seems to be talking, seems, I think there's some attitude issues going on because he says in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Uh, Don't be anxious, verse 6. Verse 7, the peace of God will surpass all understanding. And then he says in 8 and 9, so how do I get that, Paul? You know, I want to be at peace. I don't want to be constantly torn and anxious and and worried and and, and all that. I don't want that, Paul. What what do I do? I want to be happy and I want to rejoice in everything, but Paul, I, I struggle to do that. Paul says the answer, this is this not, you don't just snap your fingers and anxiety goes away overnight. But Paul says the answer is in your heart, it's in your mind, it's what you think about. And so it's no coincidence at the end of a paragraph where he's talking to these two ladies, maybe in particular, but to the church. This would have been read to the church. He's talking to ladies in particular, but to the church as a whole. You're struggling with anxiety and fear and, 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 no, and lack of joy. And here's, here's what you need to do. Be careful what you think about. Be careful what you think about. Because what you take in affects what comes out. 
just a basic principle of life. Do you have any idea how many hours last week you spent? Let me throw out some things. We'll, we'll try to offend everybody, try to step on everybody's toes. <clears throat> how many hours last week did you spend on Facebook? For some of you, the answer to that is zero. You're the happy ones, maybe. <laughs> You're the smiling people. Now, you know, nothing wrong with Facebook. Nothing inherently wrong with Facebook. I mean, if you want the whole world to have all your data and privacy, it's not that big of a deal, right? <clears throat> nothing inherently wrong with social media, whatever form it is. Um, Facebook is a social media for older people, I think. Um, I remember my kids telling me that the uh, old people stole Facebook from the kids, so they moved on to different platforms, you know. So, so there's Facebook, there's, uh, there's Instagram, there's Snapchat, and I know I'm not up to speed on a lot of stuff that kids are using, but uh, lots, of, lots of different social media is out there. How many, do you have any idea how many hours? I think I mentioned to you a few months ago, um, Logan, when he was home from school, he said, you need to download this app called Moment, Moment, so I did. I hate that app. Um, it's a dumb app because it tells you how much time, it tells you how many times you pick up your phone and, and look at it. So it was like 50-something times for me. I've checked it a minute ago before I got up today, but got up a minute ago. 50-something times I've picked up my phone for whatever reason, sometimes just to check the time, check the Dodger score. Um, you know, it buzzes. I need to see what, it, what it's buzzing me about, you know, whatever. And that's not counting the times that I look at my watch, which is connected to the phone, and it doesn't count as a pickup when I look at my watch. So an app like that, will, and it'll tell you at the end of the week, you, you, you do some screenshots on it, and it'll say, okay, this is how, this is how many hours you spent last week with, with this app on, on, front of your screen, on the front of your phone. Um, Facebook, you know, Google Maps, uh, whatever, ESPN, whatever, whatever it's going to be for, for you if you have a smartphone. Um, you're going you're gonna to see it categories. This is, you know, 13 minutes more. You spent 13 minutes more yesterday than you did the day before, you know, that sort of thing. So it's pretty irritating. But it's also a little bit eye-opening because you think, I don't, I don't spend that much time on my phone. I'm really, I know a lot of people do, but for me, I, I don't spend that much time on my phone. So, and and, and you, might, you might very well be quite surprised how much time you spend on your phone. Uh, just, again, is it, is it good or bad? I don't know. But it is what it is. And we as Christians can't just simply say it doesn't matter. I don't think God leaves us that option because what, what goes into our hearts and minds, what, what we look at, what, what we hear, it, it changes us in some way because that's what thoughts do. That's what things that go into our brains do. That's just the way we're made. It's like saying I can eat a, you know, a dozen donuts and it's not going to affect me. Well, it is going to affect you. It might not kill you. If you keep doing it, it probably will. But it's not, it's not going to leave you just unaffected. It's gonna, the, the, the influence on you often is going to be immeasurable. Uh, it's, and I mean, that, I mean by that, you won't be able to measure it day by day. It's a, it's a lifetime kind of thing. How much time did you spend this last week on Fox News? Have any idea? How much time do you spend, I, I pick out a conservative one, because I think probably we've got more Fox News watchers than we do MSNBCers in this church. How much time did you spend on MSNBC this last week? Or CNN, or whatever. 
How many hours? Is that good or bad? It's, 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 not, it's not necessarily good or bad. It's just what it is. It can be bad. I think most people would agree with that, right? It can be bad. I think, if Merv, if you don't mind me bringing up a quotation Merv shared with me a, a few weeks back, and I, I agree with Merv on this. Merv said that the purpose of the, purpose of the news, and you correct me if I'm misquoting you, Merv, but uh, the statement was, the purpose of the news is to make you mad. Did I about get that right? Is that, is that about right? Purpose of the news is to make you mad. And it's true. You watch Fox News, they're trying to make you mad. I'm not, I'm not picking on them because it's no different in, than, than one on the liberal end of the spectrum. Purpose of MSNBC, of CNN, you know what the purpose is? To make you mad. It's to make you mad. And it keeps, it keeps you engaged, keeps you, what? keeps you infuriated because you need to do something. You know, I need, to, I need to react. Things are bad. Things are awful. They're always bad. And it's always somebody's fault. It gives you somebody to be mad at as well. How many hours this last week did you spend watching just uh, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon TV? Uh, you can go on and on with the various streaming services. So much so that Netflix is, is kind of like, a, it's become synonymous with just brainless activity. I don't have anything else to do. I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit in Netflix for a while. Netflix now, I've noticed, uh, as I've turned, this is a new feature, I think. Netflix, maybe this is, I don't know how long this has been like this, but when you, when you turn on Netflix, it'll automatically start playing. At least mine will. You turn on Netflix, it's got the options up there, whether it's me or Mel or one of the kids or whatever, but it, it's got a timer and it'll, it'll automatically go to my user. And then once it goes to my user, if I don't select something within the first 10, 15 seconds, it starts playing something. It's just a, it can be just, just a mile. I don't even have to do anything. I just have to click one time. I don't even have to choose. And, and there it goes. These, all, these, all these things, they're, they're not inherently wrong. It's just that they are designed to get you and me to do something that is completely, from, at least from one perspective, mindless. But it's not mindless at all. It just doesn't take any effort. And so I can sit there, you can sit there on our, on our couches, and we can just chill, just veg, right? Just sit there and be the passive recipient, quite honestly, of a worldview that the vast majority, I think you'd agree with this, the vast majority of that worldview is, is, is not a God worldview. It's not a God worldview. I'm not saying there's not good stuff out there. There is. The majority of the stuff that's just, they're, sh they're shoving down our throats. And what I mean by that, they're shoving down our minds. It's not consistent with a Christian worldview. And yet we, we take it in. We, ta we take it in. We just absorb it and we don't even think about it. And since it's September, and I wouldn't be fair if I didn't talk about football, how many hours? did we spend on the opening weekend of football season, college football season, sitting in front of a TV? I would say to you, that's pretty harmless. It's not, 
nothing wrong with that. It's probably pretty good for you to watch football, so. <clears throat> but we got to think, right? We, we got we got we got to think. We got to think about how these things affect us. And the temptation for me and for you and for all of us is think, well, you know, what I watch, it's okay. What everybody else watches, yeah, they got to be careful. But mine's pretty innocent. Truth is, we're probably all in the same kind of same kind of boat. And and I've mentioned the statistics to you before about the level of consumption and, and one of the things uh, one of the things that, that comes through again and again with research is that one's consumption of news, for example, I should have said this a minute ago, but you're, the, the more news you watch, the lower your attitude, the worse your attitude is. So the more news you watch, the more you sit and watch whatever your news outlet of choice is, the more pessimistic you are about the outcome, about the future of the world, and the more discouraged and depressed you are. So if you spend a lot of time watching news, the more you do, the worse you're going to feel about stuff. It affects you. That's, that's true. You probably didn't need me to tell you that, but it is what it is. So you look, I'm going to run it from the sun. Um, you look in Philippians 4, and, and you'll notice what he, what he says here. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about any one of these in particular. But I do want you to notice just kind of the gist of this. Whatever's true, whatever's true, we know what, what truth is. I mean, isn't it good to focus on things that are true and, and just, and, and, and as opposed to, to being guided by the falsehoods? Uh, whatever's true, whatever is, whatever is um, honorable, think about what's true, you think about what is honorable, or another translation puts that, what is noble? What's noble? I mean, how, much, how many of our sitcoms are true and noble and honorable? What percentage of what we fill our mind with in those passive hours, those, that negotiable time that we have? I mean, we've got X number of hours we pour into work, X number of hours we sleep, we've got X number of hours that we spend just getting ready, eating, taking care of the body, you know? And then, depending on your schedule, you've got X number of hours that are negotiable. And, and I think it's particularly interesting what we do with those negotiable hours. Uh, are we focusing on what is true and what is noble or honorable, what is, what is just or right, or what is right, what is pure, um, avoiding that which is impure or unholy or dirty or things that bring tears to the eyes of our Savior? Whatever is lovely, whatever is lovely. You think about what we consume. I didn't even talk about music, the lyrics to the songs that, uh, that you listen to, that our teenagers listen to. Sometimes I, when I exercise, I'll put it on a, some sort of a station on my watch and my earbuds and just let it play whatever it's going to play. And, and sometimes I am, quite often, uh, I'm just kind of shocked at the language and at the subject matter of the music that is popular. And I know I'm running the risk of sounding like, some, so like an old fogey or whatever, but it's not, it's not silly for us as Christians to be concerned about our hearts since Jesus told us to be concerned. What do you take in? You know, what do you listen? This isn't a, 
this isn't a legalistic kind of thing. This is a, this is a we are followers of Jesus. We're followers of Jesus. Wouldn't Jesus, we're saved. I mean, he saved us because of what he's done. But our lives are a consistent response that says, Lord, you have saved me, and I want to do my best to honor you by the way I think, talk, and act. Whatever's true, honest, lovely, of good report, whatever's virtuous, whatever's holy, whatever's excellent, whatever's commendable, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think on these things. And what kind of things are always true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Sometimes when I pick up my phone, I'm embarrassed to see how much time some apps spent on, on the top layer. That's, that's what that app will tell me. This is how many hours Facebook was on top. This is how many hours ESPN was there. This is how many times uh, the ESV Bible was there. What is good and holy and honest and true and worthy? The Word of God is. And yet, I don't know. I don't know about you, but it certainly demands, I think, for you and me to evaluate ourselves and to think, I spend that much time on social media. I spend that much time listening to music. I spend that much time on Netflix, Hulu, or Amazon TV. Uh, That much time streaming movies. I spend that much time doing that, and how much time do I spend with the Word of God? And if there are heart problems, if I'm having heart problems, isn't the most obvious spot, isn't the most obvious place to start? Wouldn't anybody, anybody see this as the clearest thing to do? Okay, you're having a heart problem. You fear, anxiety, impurity, bad thoughts, lust, greed, anger, whatever. Okay. I'm not a psychologist, but, but here's one question I would, I would ask, and I think this is biblical. All right, let's just talk about what, what are you putting in your mind? What's going on in your mind? What do you, what do you fill in your mind and heart with? There may be other factors. We've got, we got other factors to think about, certainly. But the number one question is going to be, what, do you, what are you spending your mind thinking about? What are, you, what are you thinking about? I want to read you a text here from, um, from Psalms. Psalm 19, listen to this, five verses, and then we'll, I'll leave this with you to think about, pray about, but Psalm, Psalm 19, 7 says this, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, Enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, they, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. It seems as if the psalmist, in, in, in conversation with Philippians 4, where Paul says, whatever's true, holy, just, a good report, commendable, honorable, all this stuff, think on that. And then we've got the psalmist saying, okay, what is true, honest, and fair, and, and worthy of commendation, and so on? Well, what do we have? It's almost like he's saying, spend some time reading 
the word every day, at least more than we spend on social media, at least more than we spend consuming a worldview that is antithetical to what it means to be a Christian. Why do we have fear, anxiety, and anger, and greed, and all these these attributes that, that don't make God happy? Why do we have that? One of the reasons is because that shape, what we take in shapes our hearts. So really, I'm just sharing two things tonight. The first one is that we need to just let the good things come in. We need to let the good things come into our hearts, and we need to be very careful about keeping the bad things out, not letting the bad thoughts get a foothold in our mind. I know we live in a world, and uh, some of you may, may, may have even thought, and I wouldn't blame you if you did think this, well, you live in a little sheltered world. It's easy enough for you. You don't have to work where I work and hear the language and the dirty jokes and all the garbage that goes on. That's true. That's true. We all have to fight, though, don't we, wherever we are. We've got to fight. Somebody said, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from nesting in your hair. And maybe that's true of some of the stuff. You can't necessarily protect yourself from everything that's evil and everything that's bad. And I don't know that, you know, God didn't tell us to that. We live in the world. We live in the world. But we just don't need to live of the world. We don't need to become like the world. We live in it, but we try our best to let its ideologies and philosophies and uh, let its various pursuits and priorities. We try to keep those from having dominance dominion over over us two more verses and i'll close this how can a young man keep his way pure young young men and young ladies i hope you're listening to this teenagers this applies to all of us but maybe since you singled them out maybe i'd say this to you a little bit more strongly how can a young man how can a young lady keep his keep her way pure by living according to your word psalm 119.9 Two verses below, he says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, verse 11. And so as you and I reflect on our relationship to God, we need to think about this. I mean, this is a big deal. This is very practical. I haven't shared anything earth-shattering with you tonight. Proverbs 6.21 says, Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Maybe he was responding to those of us who might argue, well, I can watch that, I can listen to that, and it doesn't really affect me. Well, we probably, if we're honest, we'd probably have to admit that it affects us more than we even know, just like you can't scoop fire into your lap without getting burned. Just a little bit, just a little bit has, it has an effect. One more verse, I'll close. Matthew 12, 34, 35, Jesus said, let Jesus have the last word. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. What comes out of you is what you put in. It's what you put in you. At the end of the text of our little paragraph in Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9, it says all these things. Brother, what is, what is true, honorable, and so on. The very end of this, at the end of verse 9, he says, practice these things. And the God of peace, the God of peace will be with you. He'll be with you. But protect, let's protect our minds. Let's protect our hearts. If you're not a Christian tonight, we urge you to give your heart and life to Jesus. Uh, trust in him with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. Just say to him, Lord, I want to be yours. I've made a mess of my life. 
but I want to be yours. Lord, you know what he'll do? He'll say, come to me and I will give you rest. That's what he'll say. He'll welcome you as we baptize you into him for the forgiveness of your sins. And he will walk with you from now until the end. And he'll be your best friend and your partner and your support and your aid. And you can give him your life tonight. We, uh, we want to encourage you, if you're not a Christian, to become one tonight. Or you've done that, but you need to come back to him tonight. We, we beg you to ask for prayers, ask for encouragement from the church here. Let's stand. Let's sing this song.